couple weeks ago, we are talking about New Year's resolutions, amen? People make them, people break them. Most people don't keep them. They, they, start, off, they start off strong, but they start off in the spirit, they don't perfect. <laughs> but um, we, we stopped about the New Year's resolution. We made a, uh, a challenge to the church that we would make a New Year's uh, investment in the kingdom, Amen. And we're not just talking finances. A lot of times when you talk about investments, you're talking about a financial investment. We're talking something bigger than finances, something money can't buy. We're talking about investing yourselves, presenting yourselves as an investment, presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. Amen? Not to be conformed to this world, be transformed. The renewing of, of what God has for this church, the vision, to restore the vision of this church, it's going to take every single one of us. And then we also talked about God has blessed us, every single one of us, with, with finances. And not just physical finances, but also talents, which are greater than finances. Because guess what? Finances, you can lose them. Amen? How many of you ever lost some money before? Okay. Some of you lost in the wrong way, but we're going to talk about that today. Amen? But finances come and go. I mean, it, it, it's, you know what it is to have sometimes. You know what it is not to have. But we're talking something even greater than that. We're talking about God-given talents. Amen? Someone say God-given talents. And every single one of us have at least one. Amen? Some of you have two. Some of you have four. Some of you have five. But we all have one at least. And so we're talking about investing these talents in the kingdom. In order to invest these talents, we must be motivated by love. So number one investment we have to make is in love. Amen? Because if we don't do it in love, it's not going to profit anything. I said if we don't invest in love, it won't profit anything. Because when you do it in love, you don't expect nothing in return. Well, that's not the way my love works. But that's the way God's love works. You see, God made the greatest investment by sending his son. For God so loved the world, it was love motivated. Come on, somebody. Let's start that again. It was love motivated. Is for God so loved the world that he invested in his, his son into us. There was a price to pay. There was a talent to pay. Amen? There was redemption needed to be paid. There, there was a price to be paid. And, and God loved us so much, instead of, you know, giving a goat or, or a sheep or a, a bird, he sent his son to be a living sacrifice. Amen? And Jesus loved us so much that he gave us a talent, and he also gave us his Holy Spirit. And we cannot operate without the, the Holy Spirit. Because if you're not operating in the Spirit, you're operating in the flesh. And the gifts of the Spirit is love. Someone say love. And so last week we talked about investing in love. Love isn't cheap. Love costs. Amen? It's not the Mickey Mouse love that we have nowadays. I'll love you as much as you love me. Whatever you give me, I'll give it back to you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Whatever you put in this marriage, I'll put it back in. That's not the way it works. Because guess what? When we're yet sinners, Christ still died for us. Hello, when we were still yet messed up, not giving love back, he still died for us. So that's real love. Someone say that's agape love. And so if we're going to call ourselves agape, then we must have 
And so what I want to say this, and, and I want you to understand that, listen, these messages, are they're not just for me. They're for all of us. And guess what? We have a responsibility. Once you hear something, you have a responsibility. Some of you are going to like this, la, 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 not hearing you, no, 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 because I know if he says this, I'm going to have to do something. Well, you can do all that a while. I'm going to speak to your spirit. So in the flesh, you can go to sleep. I want to speak to your spirit, man, anyways. Your flesh won't do it anyways. Come on, somebody. Your flesh ain't going to want to do it anyways. But in the spirit, you're going to do it. And so we talk about investing in the kingdom, and we talk about investing in love, and love is the motivation. Now I want you to understand something. We have to learn how to invest in people. Or investing in others. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I invest in my wife every day and my children. Listen, that's not others. That's part of you. I'm good to my wife. Well, that's great. You should be good to your wife. I buy her things. Great. You should buy her things. I'm good to my kids. That's your responsibility. That's your normal stuff. It's like cleaning your own room. That only benefits you. I'm talking about others. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor. Others. Someone say others. Someone say neighbors. You must love your neighbors. You must love others. You must invest in others. You must take the time and financially and, and physically and spiritually and, you know, in every way possible to invest in others. The greatest investment that someone made was in me. For that person was my pastor. He invested in me time and energy and money and discipleship. And you know what I really like to say? It paid off. And you know what? I couldn't repay him back for anything that he's ever done for me. The only way I could repay him is by doing something for others as he has done for me. And that's the way it works. When you invest in somebody, you don't expect nothing in return. But when you hear that your return is turning out pretty good then you know you made the right investment. And so turn your Bibles to Philippians. He says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, someone say love, any fellowship of the Spirit, someone say Spirit. So it's going to take love and the Spirit. Someone say it's going to take love and the Spirit. If any affection and mercy, someone say, someone say mercy. We need to show more mercy. We like judgment when it comes to others. Amen? How many people like when you see someone that does something bad get in trouble? You learn that as a very early age, right? You go tell on your, your brother, your sister, or somebody, right? Not in my family, man. You tell people, you get in trouble. You'd be calling some of those words, right? You're a snitch. You're, the, you're a tattletale, right? But we love when people, you know, when, when they do something wrong, get caught. But when we get wrong, we don't like to get caught. We don't like to receive that judgment. We like mercy. Please have mercy on us. Amen? And so this is why we need to learn to have mercy. We need to have, be merciful. The Bible says, I will give mercy for those who are merciful, for those who have compassion. 
who those don't look at other people just because they're messed up. Remember, at one time, we were all not all there. I know we got some stuff together now, and we're still trying to get there. But guess what? At one time, we didn't know from left from right. And so now that God has saved us and shown mercy to us, we must also show mercy to one another. Amen? And he says this, fulfill my joy. Now, God is speaking to us and says, what makes God happy? Have you ever asked God, God, what makes you happy? Instead of saying, God, I need this, that will make me happy. Has anybody ever said that? God, as, long as, you give, as soon as you give me my wife, I'll be happy. Or God, as soon as I get that new job, you know, things are going to be better. Or God, please pray, and as soon as I get rid of the sickness, I'll feel better. Or, or we're, we're always asking God for something, right? But did you ever ask God what makes him happy? Or what does he want? And it's interesting because a lot of times, we, 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 even when we go to sleep as little kids, we pray for people, right? And God, we pray for this person, and God, please help that person. But when do we ever take our time and say, God, what do you want? What would you like me to do to make you happy? I mean, as a father, I would love my, my children to do that, right? Anybody would like that? Anybody? How would you like when your children say, hey, Dad, what would you like for dinner for once? I know you don't like that kind of, like, food that we always eat cause, just because we eat it. What would you like to eat, right? When you, ask your, when you guys go out to eat, what do you usually say, kids, what do you want to eat? Because that's what you do. But then, what, what, would it be funny if the kids would say, Dad, what would you like? What would you want to eat today? Instead, they start fighting over where they want to go. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Right? So with that said, when's the last time we ever asked God, God, what makes you happy? What gives you joy? Well, I'm going to tell you what gives him joy. He says, fulfill my joy being like-minded, having same love. Someone say same love. Being of one accord, of one mind. Now, there's nothing, there's nothing that makes a parent happy when you have a peaceful home. Amen? There is nothing like when you walk in your home and there's peace. When there's no discord. When there's no fighting. There's no bickering. There's no jealousies. There's no, there's no people pointing fingers. There's, there's, no, you know, there's no tension. Come on, somebody. You, you know those houses. When, when I went to Irma and Pops and Irma's house, that's exactly what I felt. Right, Randall? You felt like, wait a second, these people are weird. You're like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah, they're weird because nobody's loud and everybody's nice and they want to feed us and pray for us and talk up. This is weird, right? And then more people start coming like, hey, let's bring some more people. See if they feel what we feel. Because it was weird to me because growing up where I grew up, when you grow up with a lot of siblings and a dad that's crazy, it's not quite like that. It's quite not like that. And in fact, you know, there's fighting and yelling and I'm leaving and slamming. Come on. Never happened to you? No? Has it happened to everybody? And then that, not only that, and this is that it's the, the laws. Come on, so I just want to say the laws. The, the in-laws. The daughter-in-laws. Come on, somebody. I don't have one yet. The son-in-laws. 
And they get involved. And like, there's, but you know what the difference is when, when there's peace? When you have a Christian son-in-law, come on. And when you have a Christian daughter-in-law, and you have a, come on, somebody, when you have a peace, and, and, and it's just so beautiful, it's, it's kind of like heaven on earth a little bit. Amen? It, there's a, it's like a peace on earth where, where, where there's no strife and there's no bitterness. And so what God was trying to say is, listen, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being one accord and one mind. Now listen to this. Let nothing be done with, through selfish ambition or conceit. But of loneliness in mind. Now here, I want, I want you to hear this. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not for your own, his own interest, but also the interest of what? Investing in what? Investing in what? Not only investing in yourself, because you need to invest in yourself with the word and what, you know, with the things of life and, and, you know, some things that we need to take care of in ourselves. But God is saying, hey, now that you are, you know, healthy, start investing in others. Start looking after others. And you know what? Ministry, you know, going to church is not looking after others. That's looking after ourselves. Me preaching to you benefits me. Because I preach to myself, so I'm only giving myself a message. But this is not others. You're already saved, amen? How many saved people we have here? So if you're saved, this message is just to help us to help others. It's not for us. This, this message is for us to take it and give it to what? This message is for us to take it and give it to what? It's not for us to say, oh, my God, message was good. Man, I, I mean, that was great. I, I learned a lot. What did you learn? Learn about giving others. So you're supposed to take this and give it to others. You're not supposed to take this and take it home and say, man, that was a good message because, you know, this is what I learned and da-da-da-da-da and sit on it. Hmm. Let this mind be in you which was also in Jesus, Christ Jesus, who being the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. Give him the name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and the Father. If he being Lord gave us a commandment, then our response, we have a responsibility to fulfill that commandment. We never can call him Lord unless we're going to respond. Amen? And so how did Jesus respond? What was the mind of Christ? Well, turn your Bibles to Matthew real quick, chapter 20. I'm going to give you a small, just a small example of the mind of Christ. Now they went out of Jericho, and a great multitude followed them. Someone say, a great multitude followed them. So we're, we're talking about he's already doing signs, wonders, and miracles. He's about to be crucified. He already has a, a great crowd following him. Someone say, a great crowd. We're talking about thousands of people. Thousands of people following him. Listening to him. Willing to do anything for him. And behold, someone say, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, 
have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitudes warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So what's taking place here is Jesus already has a crowd. He already has multitudes of people following him, ready to do whatever he wants them to do. And all of a sudden, he already knows it's time for him to go to the cross. And he's already going to the cross. He already has his, his, his purpose and his plan. And, you know, after all, he's the king of kings. We just know that, he, and that every tongue will confess that he is what? Lord of lords, king of kings. Now, he's God in the flesh. I mean, let me explain to you something. He could have, he could have just looked at those guys and healed them and kept walking. He could have mind his own business, and, and the people told him, hey, just, you guys, just be quiet for now. Uh, Jesus will be back maybe later. But right now, we have things to do. We have this crowd. We're not going to stop the crowd just for you two blind people. We're not going to stop momentum just for two blind people. And listen to what Jesus says. So Jesus, someone say, had compassion. So basically what he said, when Jesus heard their cry, let me tell you something. It it was a responsibility of Jesus to respond to what they heard. And when we hear cries sometimes, and maybe they're not physically loud, but you see them on the streets. You see they're crying inside. You see something in their face that you know that's not right. And you could go with the crowd and act like you can't see them or even tell them, hey, just be quiet. Someone's coming. Or you could be, have a responsibility to stop yourself and do something yourself. And the Bible says this. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight. Now listen to this. And they followed him. Now I love this because it goes to tell you, guess what? When you invest in others and have compassion on others and willing to touch others. Come on, somebody. Willing to touch others. Willing to stop your crowd. When, when, you're, when the crowd wants you to be this way and you're saying, hold on a second. I hear somebody crying. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to touch them. I'm willing to invest in them. He didn't say, Peter, go, go get these two guys and touch them and pray for them and, and heal them. No, Jesus himself stopped the crowd, stopped the movement, stopped all things because he had compassion and he was willing. That's called the mind of Christ. That's called the mind of Christ. That's called compassion, that he's willing to take his own hands and lay them on somebody. He's willing to do it himself and touch these blind people who are probably being mocked at and, and hurt and, you know what, begging and, and tired of sick and tired of sitting by the side of the road and nobody having compassion on them because I didn't hear anybody else, hey, let's bring these people to Jesus. No, they told him to shut up. I didn't see anybody else say, hey, Jesus, can you just stop for a second? I've I, I seen these guys before. They need help. I don't see anybody else interceding and said, you know what the crowd says? Just be quiet. We're following Jesus. Just be quiet. We're at worship service. I can't help you. I'm going to church. I'm here with Jesus. I don't have time to touch you. I don't have time to give to you. I don't have time to invest in you. 
Because that's what it is, church. It's an investment. Children are investments. Come on, somebody. You didn't mind. But they're an investment. You just don't have them to have them. I just put a roof over there. That's good enough. No, that's not good enough. We're talking about a personal investment into your children. Not just financially, but physically being there for them. Spiritually being there for them. Having, being there for a good word of counsel. A good word of wisdom. I'm talking about a real investment. Instead, we invest in things just to, so we don't have to deal with them. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. If you don't deal with your children now, you're going to deal with them when they get older. And guess what? When they're older, that means you're older. You don't have their energy. So you might as well deal with them while you have some energy. But other people are investments, not just your children. You know, the crazy thing is when my mom, my mom would invest in my friends. Not only did she invest in her children, but any friend that came over was going to hear about Jesus Christ, was going to get some food, was going to get a nice talk. And then, you know, my friends would say, God, how could your mom be so nice? And you, you the way that, how come you're the way you are? Because the investment wasn't ready yet. Come on, somebody. It's one of those long-term investments. In fact, some of my friends that would come over and we would get ready to party, my mom would talk to them. They'd go, I'm leaving. Where are you going? Oh, you know, my mom, your mom told me about, I should just go to church, not here. I'm going to go talk to my mom. And yeah, I'm like, I look at my mom, really, mom? And she invested in prayer, in book. And if you open that book, there's people's names on there. It will blow your mind. And she would write stuff in that book and say, God, you're going to use this person to talk to millions. And, you know, he spoke that, she spoke those. And then she also put people, no disrespect, but she put my father-in-law, Carl Zavala, she put him in the book. And at the time, I didn't like him. At the time, I, I felt like, you know what, he cut me off. I'm, I'm, if I ever find him... It's going down. And then one time I was reading through a book, and she put Carl Zavala. I'm like, what are you doing? And she put that God would touch him. And you know what? Not too long after, a couple years after that, I was in the home, the Yellow House of Prayer, and Carl walked through those doors, and he lifted up his hands and goes, I'm saved. Because that's a great investment. And you know what? Sometimes we make investment in things that maybe we don't want to. Maybe we don't look like, hey, but we're not God. We don't know where that seed's going to fall. We don't know where it's going to grow. We don't know what it's going to produce. But it takes compassion, church. It takes responsibility. It takes a response. Amen? Oh, yeah, I want to help the homeless. Here, I have, I have $100. We don't want your $100. We want you. Hello, I'm, I'm going to speak to you plainly now. We don't want your $100. Keep your $100. Guess what? What you can do physically is going to be a lot more than $100. Amen. 
The woman with the two mites, guess what? The mites weren't anything. It was not even that. It was the woman's willing to give. The woman was willing to give herself all that she had. The woman that broke her alabaster box over the feet of Jesus and poured and anointed her, it wasn't about how much it cost. It was willing that she was willing. Come on, someone, she was willing. And you know what? Like I said before, and I'll say it again, God is not looking for perfect vessels. God is not looking for golden vessels. God is not looking for uh, silver vessels. God is looking for willing vessels. Say, God, I don't have nothing, but whatever I have belongs to you. What makes you happy, Daddy? You know what makes him happy? When we respond like Jesus, when we stop the crowd and we lay hands and we pray and we talk to our neighbors and we love and we invest, it pays off, church. Worship team, come on up. Philippians, not Philippians, James, we're going to close with this. Listen what it says. It says, what does it profit? You know what? When you make an investment, you want it to profit, right? Amen? How many people, I can't wait to invest to lose money? No, right? You don't, you don't do that, right? How many people, I can't wait to go to school to get straight F's? No, when, when you spend time and you, I can't wait to join a football team so I can sit on the bench. So don't even, don't even go there. When you join, when you pay money or I can't wait to go to eat so I hope they serve me bad food. When you go and you find it, when you put something into something, you expect a profit. You, you expect something in return. But what does it profit? My brothers and sisters, if someone says, I have faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is destitute of daily food, and one of them says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? In other words, lip service doesn't profit anything. I want to get involved. That's what you said four years ago. Four years ago, you wanted to get involved. But now you're too busy. But what's your profit since then? What does your spiritual account look like? And yet, when we're in trouble, we want to tap into an account that doesn't have anything in it to it. You know when you invest in others, God invests in you. How do I know this? He says, since you've been faithful with the two talents, I'm going to give you four. Since you've been faithful with the five talents, I'm going to give you ten. You see, let me tell you something. The motivation should never be, I want more talents. The motivation says, what makes you happy? Not, hey, I'm doing it because God wants me to do it. No, you do it in the first place out of love, number one. And number two, you do it because God wants you to do it. Not only because God wants you to do it, it brings him joy to do it. But you never do it because you want to get a pat in the back. Because that, that reward, it, you got your reward on, on, on earth. Crazy sound effects, huh? But you got your reward on earth. When you do it in secret, God will reward you openly. 
go be warm. It's funny, I like, you know, one time I went on a mission in Mexico. To peak Mexico, and I'm telling you, we, we drove this van with no seats up a mountain, two hours. Five miles per hour, rocks. And we're all flying back, and when we finally get out of this place, it is freezing. I mean, it is cold. I mean, we're up in the mountains, and it's freezing, and I have this nice, beautiful jacket on, and I'm looking, and we get off, and the first thing that the guy from the tribe says, get out of here. He said, get out of here, gringos. I'm like, I ain't no gringo, but whatever. And so he says, get out of here. We, we, we didn't ask you to come. And so we jump back in the van. We're like thinking, oh, my God, that's another <laughs> two hours downhill now. And I said, and I'm freezing, and I look at the, the main guy, and he has this little small T-shirt on, and I can see that he's cold. He's the main guy in this little tribe. And, and I said, man, it's very cold, man. I hope, I hope, what are they going to do? Like, it, there's no clothes or what's going on here? Like, Whatever. I pray that they, somebody will bring something. You know, you, you know all those prayers? God, bring, you know, bless them. Bring them something. Well, what about you? Why don't you bring them something? And so I took my jacket off and said, you know what? I know we're leaving, but I just want to give the main guy this jacket because I seen that he was cold. And so we jump in the van, and the guy goes, stop the van. He says, if you're willing to give us the jacket off your back, then we're willing to hear you for three minutes. Well, my pastor interpreted whatever he had to say, and, and, and you know what? The whole village accepted Jesus Christ. Now, I know that that wasn't, look what I did. That was inspired by God because I had compassion on him, and I said, listen, he, if I'm cold with this big jacket on, how much... How much I didn't say, go and be warm, brother. No, go and be warm. And it says it right there. And one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warm and be filled. But do not give them things which are needed for the body. Does it profit? Once again, does it profit? Your investment doesn't profit. Thus also faith by itself. It does not work. If it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say to me, I have faith. And I have works. Show me faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there's one God, you do well. But even the demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, at the, on the altar? Do you see that faith working together with his works? By, by the works, faith was made perfect. In other words, a prophet. It matured. The word perfect means matured. That means it was the greatest investment that he made was his son. Because Abraham gave up 10% like it was no big deal. Melchizedek came and he was back and he, Melchizedek approached him and he goes, here's 10% of the best. So it wasn't so hard to give up 10% of his best. And then he was willing to do this and he was willing to fight for a lot and he was willing to do all these things. But all of a sudden God wanted to test him and says, what's really in your heart, Abraham? 
Do you love me because only you get blessed? Take your son, your only son, and bring him to the altar and sacrifice him. And so Abraham did. Abraham walked up with the son, and he said, son, I don't know what's going to go on today, but I believe that God will provide himself the sacrifice. But I'm willing to give you up to prove how much I love him. Because Abraham could have laid on the altar and said, Isaac, you sacrificed me. I'm dying anyways. Isaac had his whole life in front of him. But yet he chose to give up his best. He gave up his son because he loved his son even more than he loved himself. And so when he lifted up the, the knife to, to, to slay him, he held back and says, listen, I, I can see it now. Faith, your faith is proven by your works. You're not just a talker. You're not just a talker. You, you just didn't bring him up and say, okay, God, here I go. You know, I'm going to do this. If you don't stop me, I'm going to do this. No, he was willing to do it all because he knew that God will restore everything he lost. And let me tell you something right now. You can invest in purses. You can invest in cars. You can invest in homes. You can invest in shoes. You can invest in, listen, video games. You can invest in all these things. And you know what? They will all perish. But make an investment and others will profit. It will bless. It'll bring God joy. And in doing so, God will bless you so much. It will blow your mind. And I love what it says. Abraham believed. Someone say, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, God placed it on his account. He says, if you're willing to give up the most precious thing for me, then I'm willing to put this in your account. And I'm going to put this in your account so when you really need me, you can tap into that account. And a lot of times what we try to do, we, we go to the ATM when, and, and, we, and we put our PIN number in and there's nothing in that account and we're trying to draw something that we didn't put in in the first place. When you make an investment in the kingdom, John 3.16, that's my pin number. And here it comes. God, I didn't even expect that. God, I didn't expect my son to get healed. God, I didn't expect my, 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 my daughter's marriage to be better. I, I didn't expect that, God. I didn't expect my, my friend to come to church, God. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect this, Lord. I, I just, I'm just so grateful. God, where can I invest this at? God, where can I give this at? God, where can I plant this at? And you know what God calls him? He says, friend. Abraham was a friend of God. And Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. You don't work for me. Let me tell you something. We don't work for Jesus. We work with Jesus. I'll say it again. We don't work for Jesus. We don't invest for Jesus. We invest with Jesus. We work with Jesus. We co-labor with Jesus. We co-labor with the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something right now. The vision of this church was helping others. It was never about us. It was never about the crowds. So when the crowds came, 
We stop healing the blind. When the, when the concert started, we're like, put the best people in the front. Put the men's home in the back. In fact, let's stop the men's home. We don't have time for it. We're too busy doing all these concerts. We're too busy making our church bigger. And we forgot the vision. We forgot the heartbeat of this church. It was the men's home. It was helping the blind. It was helping those who couldn't help themselves. It was investing in crazy men. Thank God we did it back then. My daughter's married to two, two men from the men's home. My do- two, both of my daughters are married to them. Talk about an investment. That I don't have to go to their house and deal with them. Because guess what? They already got Jesus in them. Well, this year, church, we're going back. We're going back to our first love. And our first love is not loving ourselves. It's loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor first and then loving ourselves. We're going back and we're going to open up the men's home. Put that on right now. The new men's home is going to be called the House of David. And we're going to restore men after God's heart. We already have this building. That's, that's it. Pastor John's going to be leading that. Pastor John, stand up here. Let me tell you something. It was a cold day, and we're talking about a men's home. And somebody invested in, and he says, I want to invest in homeless and men's home or whatever, but I want to give you guys some money. And not me, but Pastor John, because I believe in what, you know, what God wants to do. And so me and Pastor John were just talking, and we started laughing because that's what Pastor John said we're going to do anyways. We're going to open a men's home. He says, we need to open the men's home again. So I'm saying, great, as soon as we get some money, it's hard enough getting money right now. I don't want to keep begging people, tithing, another offering, another offering. In fact, we haven't had another offering in a while, right? You know why? Because some of you decided to tithe. Thank you for just tithing so we don't have to take a second offering. (laughs) Praise God, amen. And so anyways, we're sitting there, we're going to have some menudo. Menudo, yeah, it's good. Anyways. And we're just talking about, like, man, I hope God opens this men's, you know, when we get this home, God has the perfect place, da-da-da-da-da. And we look, and we see this house. And it was like a pinkish house. And it's all tore up. And we're like, uh. And all of a sudden, we, we, we go back a couple days later, and all of a sudden, there's a sign that says, for lease. And it happens to be Paul Cott. And Paul Cott is the first guy that, Paul Cott is the one that rented me the yellow house. And how he ran it to me, my pastor took me and goes, he goes, we're, okay, so these guys want a men's home. I mean, not a men's home, but these guys want a Christian home. That's all it was at first. Meet three guys. He says, yeah, these guys are looking for a home. They want to, you know, because they're Christian, they want to keep each other accountable. And he goes, okay, so who's going to be in the lease? He says, he said, I am. I'm going to be the guy in the lease. He goes, okay, uh, how much money do you guys have? We go, nothing. He goes, well, how do you expect to get in? And, he goes, and, and pastor, pastor Roger goes, I give you my word, they'll pay. And so he goes, okay, you guys can start, go move in. And you know, we never missed a payment. 
But the crazy thing is that, that Paul just took my pastor's word for it and just went for it. And so when I seen Paul caught, I'm like, is this a sign? And John goes, that must be a sign. You know, you know how John is, that's a sign. Let me tell you something. We went back three days later, had some more menudo. The house is yellow. And so I can't even tell you what happened because there's so many different things that happened to transpire to, for us to get it. But you know what? We open up next week. I said we open up next week. Because somebody was willing to invest in us, we're willing to give it back to where it really belongs. We don't want to just take the money and sit on the money and say, look at we got money. We got money. No, we take that money, invest in others, go back to the heartbeat of the Lord. You see, let me tell you something. When there is vision, God always brings provision. So don't just sit there and say, I want to do this for the kingdom. Start taking a step of faith. Start investing in others. And God will invest back into you. I want you to stretch out your hands. Let me tell you something. There's only one thing harder than a men's home to run in ministry. That's a women's home. You ain't hearing me, but that's another message later. And we'll have another speech when the women's home comes someday. But as for now... I want you to stretch out your hands because I know how the enemy works. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. You were tested years. Those last couple of years you've been tested. The home was taken from you just to see what was really in your heart. Because if it was taken, you could have just sat there and said, it's over with. Why should I care? I did my best. It was over. And then the enemy came at you in different ways to cause you to quit. But you fought the good fight, and you're starting the race, and you're going to finish it. And so, Father, I pray that you would send your angels to go to war right now, that you would touch him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And, Lord, what every man that steps into that home, Lord, they would receive Jesus Christ and him crucified. Lord, that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And Father, those are the future pastors and prophets and, and evangelists and teachers and children's ministry workers. Lord, those are, the, those are the future, Lord. And so we ask right now, Father, in your holy name, in your holy name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let me tell you something. A little investment can go a long ways if it has love behind it. I said a little investment can go a long ways as long as it has love behind it. We are responsible as Christians to do something for God's kingdom. Now, as what I'm saying to you is, now that you're hearing this, like I said, I'm going to tell you something that you're just not going to get away with. Now that you are hearing this, now respond because if you don't respond that means you're not responsible and if you're not responsible for the little things or faithful with the little things then don't expect God to bless you with bigger things so I'm going to ask right now that God will increase your talents this year 
increase your talents this year. That love will be your motivation where you're going to plant your, your talent, where you're going to plant your, your investment. And I want you to think about it long and hard. Don't jump on somebody else's, oh, this is, yeah, that sounds good. No, that's the easy way out. God is specifically giving you a task. God has specifically given you a calling. God has specifically given you that talent and you know what you need to do. When you hear the cry of the two blind men again, when you hear the cry of these two blind men crying out saying, God, please heal me. I would love to get married one day. I would love to have children one day. I would love to be a family one day. And you hear the other one crying out, God, I would love to preach your gospel one day, but I just can't do it. I'm blind. No. When you see the little man ripped up and t- taken apart on the side of the road, you be like, don't be like the priest or the Levite. Be like the Samaritan and pick him up and invest in him. Because you know what? I was the man beaten up on the side of the road. The enemy robbed me. And Pastor Roger took me in. And he believed in me so much that he was willing to invest in me. And I know one day he's going to go see Jesus. He's going to go see Jesus. He's getting older and he's, he's not, his health is not the greatest. But I know he's going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But until then, we will fight and we will invest and we will pray and we will do the things that God called us to do in this little church and to God receive all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's just begin to worship.